Hello, welcome to the Hold My Iced Coffee podcast. Happy New Year, everybody! I hope you're excited about 2020. And one of the things that I'm super excited about is all the great guests we have lined up for you guys in the new year. And I'm also super excited about voicemail. Yep, that's right. Hold My Iced Coffee has voicemail. If you don't know why that's exciting, let me just tell you. You guys can now leave us voice messages and we can use them on our podcast. And just to get us started, what we would love for you guys to do is we would love to hear your New Year's resolutions. So just call us at 860-341-1864 and leave us a message with your New Year's resolutions on them. And we'll try to share those on our podcast in January. And also just throwing this out there for you guys, (laughs) say you were to call and leave a message and then a few minutes later go, oh, that's so embarrassing. I don't want anybody to hear that. Listen, girlfriend, I got you. I understand. I edit stuff all the time. I know. And I say tons of things I regret. So I get it. (laughs) So like if you were to call and then a few minutes later think, yeah, there probably shouldn't have been so many F-bombs in my New Year's resolution, (laughs) then just let us know. And we don't have to share everything. We can delete it and nobody will know but us. And listen, I'm not going to (laughs) judge. That sounds amazing. Yes, we definitely can't wait to hear your ideas and your goals, what you're going for. So again, that phone number is 860-341-1864. And if you didn't catch it that time, back up the podcast. (laughs) I'm not going to say it again. So anyway, the other thing I'm super excited about is that I'm going to interview Elena today. And I'm really excited about her sharing her story and just all the super awesomeness that is Elena. (laughs) So the first question that I have for Elena is, What is it like doing a podcast with somebody who's so unorganized? (laughs) I would say I don't know who that person is. You are extremely organized and so is Jen. And I just think you're selling yourself short with that question. So I'd like to rephrase it. What is it like working with someone so awesome? And I would say it's a great privilege. And I learn from you every day and you are always are making me laugh. So that's the best. We just, we just have a great time. And that's really what it's, it's like, I really don't know where you came up with this idea. So we have to debunk it as soon as possible. (laughs) Well, so I guess that's true. It's, I, it's a struggle for me to be organized, but I'm not. I'm not too, too bad, but I do need people to rein me in sometimes because it's probably more an issue of that. I have more ideas than any like 20 people could ever uh, pull off, (laughs) but we get to pick the best ones. You're like the creative train pulling us forward. You know, it's just like (laughs) you're pulling us forward. We're going to do all these ideas and you have so many. So that's maybe that's the thing that we're embracing. You know, we're going to embrace that about you can embrace that about yourself. Well, and I I do think that it's fun sometimes to just throw a whole bunch of ideas out there and let's see which one sticks. (laughs) So, (laughs) but I always laugh about my husband, such a in the box thinker, like, and I'm like, oh, there's a box. (laughs) 
Anyway, so we did an interview. Um, I don't know. It's been almost a year since we did an interview mm-hmm. before on my podcast, Rum and Cola for the Soul. And it's actually still up if anybody wants to go check it out. But I, I want to refer back to some of the things that we talked to talked about in that previous interview. And a lot of it was some really good stuff that we talked about with your journey to overcome shame. And I just want to make sure that all of our listeners hear this and hear how you learned to value your story and your journey. Yeah, well, I'm I'm really excited and honored to be talking with you again and to, yeah, <laughs> sharing some of the parts that that aren't so pristine about our lives. I think that takes some courage. Um, I have gone through a divorce and I'm sure many of our listeners have as well. And it's, it plays into my story because that wasn't at all what I thought was coming down the pipe. (laughs) We all have those ideas. And suddenly I was in this different category. I didn't have that person at home, everything was all on my shoulders. And, you know, I remember one of the nights it was around December that I realized "Mm, I'm, I'm going to be a single mom and I'm in a pizza parlor with my two very young daughters and they're climbing on the foosball table. And I think the owner of the pizza parlor is just like looking at me, shaking his head. There's no one else in there, but it just hit me and I couldn't even move. I thought my life is, is, unrecognizable even to myself um, from what I thought. And I really don't know what I'm going to do. You know, what am I going to do? Um, Everything is looking different. There is not a guarantee that this person that I've been married to for 10 years is going to want to reconcile, even if they say that they do. I'm seeing signs that they don't. So all of this discernment, all of this keeping everything together for my very, very young daughters, uh, going to church was a huge struggle. You know, what are people going to say? What do I even want to say to anyone else? Who cares? I'm not okay. I lost my keys in a snowstorm and I had to ask my dad to come and drive 45 minutes from where he was living and to come help me find my keys the day before Thanksgiving, I remember. And when all this was going down and we searched the house, we tore everything apart. It turns out my keys were inside my sweatshirt pocket. And I, it was the kind of out of body experience that you think this can't really be happening. Um, I remember though, that, there was a moment where my very young daughter, at the time she made might have been four, she looked at my wedding ring. We were in the bathroom and she said, Mom, your ring is dirty. And I said, What do you what do you mean? There's nothing on my ring. And she said again, No, your your ring is dirty. And metaphorically, she was absolutely right. And I began to think about that moment and really what that symbolized realizing that the word discard just kept coming up again and again. I've been discarded um, for the person from the person that 
said that they were going to love and cherish me for the rest of their lives. I have been discarded. Um, but the realization was coming to me as I was looking in the mirror that night that if Christ has redeemed us, no one can discard us. And so even though I had to take off that ring and sell it to a jewelry shop, you know, a month later, I could still walk around knowing that I was supremely loved. And it was this incredible juxtaposition because everything was upended in my life, but yet there was a sense of calm. There was a sense of peace that can only come from God leading me step by step. There's no other way to describe it. I went from not working, you know, I came from a screenwriting, writing background. I worked on the TV show, King of the Hill in production as a writer's assistant, was there for 10 years. And then I I raised my kids. When all this was going down, we couldn't afford childcare. I was at home raising my kids. And I remember my brother said to me, so what are you going to do for work? And he was helping me think about the future step by step. You know, that's a whole podcast in itself of the the work that God provided for me step by step, editing work here, leading to another another assignment here, leading to a writing assignment here, leading to teaching over here. And God really provided step by step. But I think to overcome shame, he put people in my path that helped mitigate that shame. And so I can only say that that was God because when you help remove shame from another person, I really believe that you yourself are brightened. Um, it was that same December when I, it was really hitting me that this is probably heading for divorce. There's nothing I can do. My friend Cherie sent me a package and it was a package of two different nail polishes. It was this really beautiful OPI nude color and then a black. And she called me and she said, I sent that this to you for New Year's Eve. And I was thinking to myself, are you kidding? I can't even think past the next day. But her entering into my pain, calling me, being there for me, showed me that there was life after this divorce. I was going to be happy again. I was going to wear nail polish again and rock it. Even if I'm by myself on New Year's Eve after my kids have gone to bed, you know, and I'm I'm sipping on their grape juice and apple sparkling apple juice pretending it's wine i am going to have joyful moments and she said you're going to write about this you're going to help others through this and i said you know yeah right i can barely get up out of bed but she was right in that there were going to be joyful times so what i really think is that god has placed people in my life like you cindy when i was going through another devastating time, what turned out to be a breakup, you did an art project with me because you're extremely gifted visually. You've got talent coming out of your ears. And we actually, you know, I hope we get to put this on our website, but we did a project where we peeled away basically through the process of watercolors. We wrote all these words like discard, like dismissed, like abandon, anger, hurt, negativity. And then we sort of washed those colors away with the soothing blue color. And over it was this covering of the word peace. And I have that above my bed. It's gorgeous. My mom framed it for me. 
And that is a picture visually of what, what happens when someone enters into our pain with us. It doesn't have to be something big. It could be as simple as sending two nail polishes. It could be a phone call. It could be a prayer. It could be a hug. It could be just sitting with that person, a card. There's a million different things. Maybe saying to that person, hey, I'm going to take you out for a walk. You've been in the house too long. Um, we can hold each other's iced coffee and we ourselves are filled. Our cup is filled even more so. So that was some of the process connecting with other people, other friendships, old and new, helped remove those layers of shame one by one. And through that process of going to divorce care at a local church, I saw that I wasn't so alone. And I would highly recommend anyone who might be struggling with it, even if their divorce has been 20 years ago, getting around other people who understand um, and who know what you've gone through. That was huge for me. And through that process, which I'm still going through, I still have those moments. But what I cling to is Psalm 34, 5. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. Our faces will never be covered with shame when we're looking to God, the one who ultimately took on our shame. And he's the one who has empowered me step by step to break through that shame by writing. Uh, That's another thing that has helped me so much. You know, really Tim Keller says the only way out is through. I have this tiny shovel on my, my writing desk to say, I have to face whatever that is. I have to dig through it to come out the other side. And you know that too, Cindy, because you've shared with me some of your stories and it's facing that reality in the face that God, this is not what I wanted for my life. I grew up with an amazing father. I grew up with two-parent household. I was trying to follow the Lord. Everything came off the rails. Yet my wonderful father wasn't... The relationship that I had with my dad did not inoculate me from pain. And that is that was sort of the, the most jarring thing of all, is that I'm in this place that I never expected to be. But in the midst of that, the people that were entering in there with me in the pain helped peel off those layers of shame. Wow. That's so powerful. I'm just sitting here and getting chills. Like I love hearing you talk about uh, it just how much you've been through and how it's just crazy how um, much God has shown you. And I wanted to bring it to where you are right now in your journey you came up with the hashtag hold my iced coffee. So can you just remind us and tell us a little bit more about what was happening at that point in your journey? Yeah, I, I think I was really tired of being afraid. I didn't even want to post anything. Although you and I had been planning this podcast and you had been planning the idea of this podcast even earlier. I was afraid. I didn't want to step into that. And I've always been one to hide in the shadows. There's reasons for that. Um, It's safer there. I always wanted to be invisible when I was younger um, for reasons that if you're invisible, no one can see you and no one can 
call you out or call you names so you won't get hurt. It's easier to fly incognito. But there were a number of situations in my life where I really felt God asking me, no, you need, you need to step forward into this because I've already given you everything I need and watching you and watching you was a, a huge inspiration for that. So it's about hold my iced coffee is about like you describe it. Hold my iced coffee, something awesome. I'm about to step into something awesome here. Um, because God is empowering me to do that. The power of the Holy Spirit is leading me to step out of fear into this role or to use this talent that God's given me and to not be afraid and not to hide anymore. Because really, why? He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. And if there's power, then that's what's in our cup. So we want to say, hold my iced coffee. Something awesome is coming. I had no idea that's what you were struggling with because I remember talking to you about podcasting and you were kind of like, uh, like a little uncertain. And I was like, wow, she hates my podcast <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no way. We kind of just see the world through these filters of our own insecurities. And, and yeah. I think that's kind of a yeah. picture of how we're afraid of being confident, but confidence yeah. helps us see the good in other people. Yes. Like if I had been confident in that moment, I would have been like, oh, what's up, Elena? <laughs> but I was more like, wait, what is she not like about my podcast? <laughs> so we're both growing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So since that time, when you had that amazing discovery, what other hold my iced coffee moments have you had recently? Well, I'm a huge procrastinator, Cindy. I don't mind saying that. <laughs> um, one of the things I struggle with is perfectionism and wanting to get things right the first time, but that is not realistic whatsoever. Um, even brain chemistry shows when we break tasks up into smaller chunks, our brain can process it more easily. So all that to see to say, you know, I, I spent 10 years in LA and just in the last year and a half, I've been asked by a client to be a ghostwriter. And actually now I'm stepping into being a paid screenwriter, which is so crazy. It's like Jim and Pam and, you know, the office staff are hiding somewhere and I'm looking into the camera because it's so theater of the absurd. Like, what are you talking about? So God has just been asking me to step into these roles that I have never stepped into before. I was asked to write a Christmas play for our church. And I'm telling you, it went so quickly. Like God just laid it out in my mind as I sipped a glass of wine. <laughs> That's the only kind of writing I can do, by the way, with a glass of wine. Everything else, it's, it's, it's a ton of coffee um, and iced coffee too. But to step into that and say, okay, you know, I gave you these gifts, but what are you doing with them? And how are you going to lift up your, your sisters? Because look at all of the sisters that have lifted you up. Think of the times where they have comforted you. Well, how can I do that? Well, maybe it's it's through writing. And so really just wrestling with that and saying, okay, then I don't need to procrastinate because 
if it's to help someone else, you know, being a classic pleaser that I am, then it's a great way to reframe the assignment that I have to do or the next 10 pages, which I don't know how to finish. But if I can frame it that this might help someone else, then yeah, I can dive into those 10 pages. So it's really just a testimony to what God has has done, has put me in this place. But it's realizing, hey, you know what? This tendency that I have to procrastinate can't put a stranglehold on the things that God would have me do because there's too much to do. There's too much to say. And, um, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So it's more, it's more of a, it's more of a mirror held up to me. I think that's, that's what's happening now to say, okay, but, but what are you doing with the things that I implanted in you? And it's, it's encouraging yet sobering at the same time. Wow, that's really cool. I I love that. And I like to think that part of my gift to the world is teaching people to slack. <laughs> like, totally. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> Let's lower that bar a little bit. Shoot for excellence, but perfection's never going to happen. <laughs> so, and the next question I have for you is, what's in your coffee right now? What's getting you through? Yeah, you know, I, I just took my daughters to La Salette. And for those of you who may not know, it's a huge shrine covered with lights. Um, I took them there, uh, you know, before Christmas. And it, it stands out in my memory because I had such a great vision of what I wanted that to be, this great family time. And inevitably, there was a tantrum from my younger daughter. And there was the cold, just the everything. There was a refusal to move. There was, you know, you know, declarations that she didn't want anyone to talk to her. Anyway, it went a lot better in my head. Um, but at La Salette, there's a storybook that had talked about all the letters of the alphabet and how it relates to Jesus being born. And when I was going through such a difficult time during my divorce, coming to terms with being discarded, I remember seeing the H and the H stood for hope. And I, I saw it again, you know, a while back now, a couple of weeks ago, and I saw the hope once again, it struck me that that is what's in my iced coffee. That's only possible through God. And that's what I want more of in my life. That's what I want to share with other people. That's what I want to share with my daughter. So there's hope when I fail. There's hope when I despair. There's hope when I disappoint someone or they disappoint me or I don't have things figured out yet. Like you said, that's okay. There's hope and there's ultimate hope. Um, there's hope when I don't know how all this is going to work out. And let's be honest, we all spend a great deal of time not knowing how something is going to work out, even after we've really hoped and really prayed for something. So what's in my iced coffee is hope. Wow, that's awesome. So we're starting out a new year, and I really want us to focus on being positive and valuing ourselves. And what advice would you like to give to single women and single moms about valuing their journeys this year? I would say, first of all, valuing your emotions is really important. 
people can tell you to feel a certain way or not to feel a certain way, but we all know that's not going to change how we really feel. So I think getting honest with ourselves, really being courageous enough to get to the bottom of our pain, whatever that is, and it can be step by step. It doesn't have to be all at once. It could be journaling for 10 minutes. It could be taking a walk or, you know, hey, in New England, um, <laughs> like a walk around an indoor track or when we're on the treadmill, but just taking some time to reflect where we've been in the last year and also where we want to be. And it doesn't have to be where we want to be at year's end, but how do we want to feel next week? Um, I think we're told that we have to be a certain way as single women's and a single mom, maybe from the culture. But I would say that you're seen. You're seen by a God who loves you. You're not alone. There are women and and we're going to be part of this community with you to help you connect with women who can walk alongside you on your journey. Value your story, what God has brought you through. And I think writing it down and writing down those moments, even of pain, of heartache, or ways that you've seen God move um, can be a really powerful tool. And I think it can be part of valuing your journey because it's going to be hard to value what we don't realize that we've gone through. There might be a spark of hope right before our eyes. If we can dig through that, if we can write it down. And if you say you're not a writing person, maybe you can talk to your best friend and sort of verbalize it or write notes into your phone or just, you know, as you're in the car, reflect on it and say it out loud. But having that space to actually do that, rather than putting so much pressure on yourself to change everything get in touch with what's driving your bus and any pain that you're experiencing. Um, I remember the church that, you know, you and I met at. Um, one thing that stood out to me is around the holidays, they gave out these bags to single parents. And that may not have seemed like a lot, but for me, it was the first holiday that I had been a single parent. And I had things like this great Burt's Bees um, lip gloss, and it had the really great Trader Joe's chocolate um, peppermint, you know, pretzels. It, it had the works. It had books. It had um, the great hand sanitizer. And it was just a little thing, but it made me think of how we can support and encourage people who may, who may be single around us. Um, who may want to be included, but may not know how to be included if everything is being coupled up. Um, maybe that means um, a game night, you know, that you put on for your friends, or we can encourage more community. We can encourage more friendships, even just a phone call, checking in on someone to see if they're lonely, um, a movie night, something, uh, going out, you know, getting a margarita, just doing something. Oh, fun. yes, I'm down for that. So, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Come on, we're overdue for that. This is a really great question, but maybe what I'm getting to is sometimes it's a little thing. I mean, yes, childcare is always something that is a, a, a need for a single parent. That's what I can speak to as well. And hey, if you're having an event, 
Hey, maybe hire a babysitter. If you're having a Bible study, hey, you're having a, a party, just say, hey, would it be helpful if we, you know, get a babysitter for two hours? You don't know how much you could change the course of that single parent's life, you know, in this case, a single mom. Um, just caring about that, saying, hey, I'm at the grocery store. Can I pick you up an extra something? Just letting them know that you're seen. And I remember my current pastor, um, Mike Caparelli at Sacred Exchange, he preached a sermon. I mentioned this last time on um on this woman called Hagar for Mother's Day and he was basically elevating single moms he was talking about them from his position as a pastor and i was blown away because usually they try to you know hide that kind of thing in a church like hey you know mother's day is really for the mothers with the intact families you know, but really, you know, you guys are second class and that's not said, but it sort of felt, and I'm sure that churches aren't meaning to do that, but that's just the way maybe a single mom feels. Anyway, I went up to him after church and I said, thank you so much, you know, for talking about single moms. He's like, yeah, of course I was raised by one. And just the fact that it's always known that I'm welcome there, even though I don't have somebody that I'm married to sitting next to me, you know, even though I don't have that significant other, it's, it's really encouraging to me. It's really calming. It shows that I have value for who I am. And maybe there's a way that we can show people, no matter if they're single or married, whatever state that they're in, I see you. And I think that's where that entering in comes in. And maybe holding someone else's iced coffee in this season of the new year might look like a tangible act of love for someone else or an entering in and letting someone know, hey, I see you. I'm going to give you a phone call. I'm going to come see you. I want to get together and really follow up on it. I'm going to put this in the calendar. We're going to go out. I'm just going to come over. We're going to spend time together. And maybe maybe that's a way that we can hold each other's iced coffee, whether we're single parents, whether we're single, whether we're married, whatever we're going through. Wow, that's really great. I think we need to continue this discussion on our Facebook page. I I think it's very brave that you share these things and your feelings. And I hope that it encourages other people to open up and share with us things that we may not have considered. And I think sometimes we're just so awkward when somebody is going through a hard time and we, we feel like we're not supposed to mention it or any. And so sometimes I think married women are like, Oh, I can't talk about my husband. It'll make her feel bad. Right. You know, and I, I feel like you, you kind of caught on to the fact that I'm married. So, <laughs> like, it's okay if I talk about my husband. Oh, for sure. I don't know. I just always say embrace the awkward. <laughs> just go ahead and throw it out there. Like, hey, our lives are different, but they're still both valuable. So I don't know if you want to address that of any I- other ideas about how you know, married people can maybe make it a little less awkward to include single people? Yeah, that's a great question. I think just us seeing people as people wanting love of wanting to be seen and cared for. And I love what you just said. You said embrace the awkward. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's one of our family mottos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Don't beat around the bush. Say, you know, 
I, I'm, I've heard that, you know, you might be getting a divorce or you divorced you, you know, you want to go out for coffee and just, Hey, I'd love to catch up with you and hear what's going on with you. You can keep it light. You know, I hear, um, you know, it could go anyway for anyone dealing with anything, just showing someone that we care and we want to enter into it. Um, but yeah, don't be afraid. I think some, some people and, and maybe rightly so think that, they have to have the perfect thing to say, or they feel like they're not equipped to comfort somebody else. But you can even admit that you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could admit if Cindy's going through something and I don't know how to comfort her, I could just say, what do you need? You know, what do you need? If someone has been divorced, you could even ask them, I, I don't know what that's like. I really can't imagine what you're going through right now. And sometimes that is comforting enough to say, I, I, I can only imagine what you're going through. I'd love to help. How can I do that? Oh, I can take your daughter to the movies with, with my kids. Great. Or, hey, you want to go for coffee and talk about it? And, hey, it's okay if you cry. And I'm not going to pat your shoulder because subconsciously patting your shoulder means shut up, like stop crying right now. <laughs> so it could really be us as simple as us saying, I don't know what you need right now, but I would like to know how to help you. Or I would like to know what I can do, if anything, to enter into what you're going through. And that might be a great thing for us to think about in the new year. It is, there's so much power in not trying to fix people's problems, but just being willing to walk through them with them. Totally. Yes. So. Yeah. And that's what you do. Yeah. You show me that for sure, Cindy. Well, <laughs> I always talk about the gift of having ADD that like, I'm so good at being awkward <laughs> and not knowing what to say. So I just kind of lead with that. <laughs> That's so great. Whose iced coffee are you holding right now? And I think it's the sisterhood of friends that I have, even from being in LA, being having lived in LA, having gone to school in Syracuse, friends growing up, and then friends here, holding them to what they need, if they need accountability, prayer. Um, and I don't do this perfectly, but it's that network of friends. And and hopefully I can show my daughters how important that is to hold their friend's iced coffee or even hold the iced coffee of someone that they might even know. But when you think about it, even I would like to show my friends how to hold the iced coffee of people in their lives, too, um, and not to just think about what's in their cup, but what's in other people's cups, too. And it's going to you know, help them to support others and to lift others up. And that's, that's really important. Um, so I would say friends and my daughters. Thank you so much for sharing. And it's been really great to talk to you once again. You're such an encourager and I guess you got to go get your girls. So say something amazing to close us with. <laughs> yeah, I would say again, if, if, Christ has redeemed us. No one can discard us. And go think about how you can hold someone else's iced coffee, uh, even this week. So start the new year off right and uh, take a big gulp and then hold someone else's iced coffee. And give us a call. Look us up on our website and follow us yes. on social media. Blessings, guys. Yes. Bye, guys. <laughs>